morning. I'm David. So glad to be here today. Um, I don't know if you've ever maybe been on vacation or you're traveling and you decide to visit a church you've never been to before. And in just a few minutes, you kind of get a sense for that church. Um, I just, man, I just have a sense that there are a lot of people in this church who are really happy that Jesus loves them and who are really excited about their church. So I'm glad to be here. Um, I'd, like, I'd like us to read the passage of Scripture today. I'll read for us Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 11. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion, and they shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. We're reading this passage, Isaiah 61, because this is a a portion of Scripture that is often read in churches during the season of Advent. Uh, These words were written by the uh, prophet Isaiah, a man who was born in the 8th century B.C. And this is a chapter in the Bible that is looking ahead, foretelling the work that was to be done by the Messiah. The Messiah is the anointed Savior King that God promised he would send into the world. This is, this is Isaiah foretelling uh, the work that the Messiah will do. In uh, Luke chapter 4, we read of an occasion where Jesus was in a worship service in a synagogue, and he read from a portion of this chapter, and then he basically said to the people, guys, this is talking about me. I'm the Messiah. This is my mission. This is what I came to do. 
So uh, you'll understand why we often read this this time of year, this time of year when we're, we're, um, we're thinking about how the angel told the Virgin Mary that she would give birth to the Messiah, or we're singing about the, the, angel, uh, the, the shepherds in the fields by night, and the angels tell them that the Messiah has been born. Uh, you understand, this, this time of year, it's important just to be reminded what the Messiah came to do, the mission of the Messiah. So I want to point out three things that I think um, we learn about the Messiah's mission just by kind of thinking about this particular passage. All right, three things about the Messiah's mission. The first is this, notice. Did you notice? Did you notice how complete the Messiah's mission is? He has a, a complete mission. Um, sometimes when I was a kid, my mom would tell me to clean my room. And, you know, maybe I would pick up my toys, but I wouldn't make my bed. Or I would make my bed, but I wouldn't hang up my clothing. In other words, I, I didn't do a complete job, right? Guys, our Messiah is not like that. Jesus is not like that. When, when he comes into this world to deal with the pain and the hurt and the effects of sin, you know what? He gets the whole job done, the entire job. Um, so um, in Genesis 3, you ever read Genesis 3, right? When Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit and everything falls apart, then God comes to explain the effects of, of, of their sin. Genesis 3 tells us that, um, guys, listen, human sin has really, really messed up this world. I mean, if you, if you know the story, as soon as, they, as soon as they eat the forbidden fruit, immediately, immediately we are alienated from God. Remember how they, they hid in the trees of the garden so God wouldn't find them? And immediately, all of us have this, this sense of brokenness and inadequacy and shame. Remember how they tried to cover up with the fig leaves? And, and immediately, um, interpersonal relationships between us are, are, are completely messed up and complicated. Remember how Adam and Eve kind of turn on each other? They start fighting, blaming each other. You know, there, there are many people who would say that all conflict and all war and all violence and all abuse and all oppression are the result of human sin. Uh, and do you remember how um, after they rebelled against God, God then comes and explains to Adam how difficult it will now be to get the ground to produce crops for people to eat. Like God is saying, it's going to be really, really hard now to, for everyone in the world to be fed. And he talks about how dust you are and to dust you will return, just kind of saying that for everyone, we're all going to struggle with, with, with bodies that get old and get weak and get, and, and, and get sick and eventually die. So you would say that poverty is the result of human sin and disease is the re result of human sin and hardship in this world, result of human sin. So um, you see what I'm telling you guys? Our sin against God really messed up this world all over the place. And what you read in Isaiah 61 is that the Messiah's mission is to fix all of that. What a, it's a complete mission. I, I, one of my favorite Christmas carols, Joy to the World, and I love that one line. Isaac Watts says this. He, he's talking about Jesus, the Messiah, he comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found, everything broken to be fixed, everything hurting to be healed, every, everything that's messed up to be put back right again. He just, 
he has this complete mission. And here's, here's why I emphasize this, because um, some, it's easy for us to kind of have a very reductionistic understanding of Jesus. Just kind of think the only, listen, the only reason Jesus came was to get us into heaven. You know, give us a hall pass so we can get out of hell. Give us a, give us a ticket so we can get into heaven. And Listen, don't misunderstand me. Heaven and hell are real. The Bible's very clear about that. And Jesus did come to, to, to take God's wrath in the place of all those who will trust in him so that we can have everlasting life. But his mission, it's not merely to save our souls. You see that in verse 1. You see that the Messiah comes to deal with what? To deal with poverty. He comes to proclaim good news for the poor. And he, and he comes really to heal and help all of those who are depressed, all of those who are discouraged. It says he comes to bind up the brokenhearted. And he comes to bring freedom for those who are suffering from oppression. It's called liberty for the captives. And, and for those who've been failed by the judicial system, he comes to open prison doors to set people free. So his, the Messiah's mission is more than merely... Um, giving us a ticket to heaven. Verse 4 and 5, he seems to be, de- seems to be describing the result of, of uh, human relationships and human communities that are, that are restored. Ancient ruins are rebuilt. Ruined cities are repaired. Uh, describing a, a, a society where immigrants are welcomed in, into, into the land and offered jobs just like everyone else. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. You'll work shoulder to shoulder with people who used to be outsiders. So you see, isn't this wonderful? The mission of our Messiah is just to transform everything. So those of you who are Christians, let me ask you a question. Aren't you glad we have a Savior like that? Doesn't it just make you happy? Um, These are some statistics from the state of New York. Um, In in Suffolk County, New York, over 26,000 children live below the poverty line. And over 10,000 seniors below the poverty line. You know, seniors are on a fixed income. They, they can't improve their, their situation. Children can't work. So we're talking about thousands and thousands of people who can't, who live, who are barely making it and can't do anything to help themselves. So let me ask you, aren't, aren't you glad we have a Savior who cares about them? Those of you who are believers, wouldn't you, wouldn't you just hate it if, uh, let's say, you're not, your unbelieving neighbor quotes those statistics to you, and then she asks you, can, can you tell me, how does your Jesus feel about that? Wouldn't you hate it if you had to say, ah, Jesus doesn't care about people that are in poverty. He just wants to get them into heaven. Aren't you glad that we don't have a Savior like that who really cares? When you're in the nursing home this afternoon, every dear elderly person that you you play bingo with. I don't know how you play Christmas Carol bingo, but I wish I could go. But every, every one of them, Jesus cares about their situation. You know, this passage talks about um, him dealing with those who are in prison. It's well known. This is a, becoming a huge problem in our country. They, some, some would estimate our incarcerated population right now is over 2 million people in this country. Aren't you glad we have a Savior who cares about every Man, every woman, every young person who's in that situation. And some of you probably have a grumpy old uncle who would say, ah, but most of them are guilty. Okay. All right. But aren't you glad we have a Savior who still cares about us? Even when we've done things that are wrong? 
I don't know where I would be if we didn't have a Savior like that. And, and, and this passage talks about his concern for those deep emotional hurts. You're starting a counseling center. Why? Why? Just preach the gospel. Get people into heaven, right? No. Listen, we have a Savior who cares about deep, deep brokenness in people. You read here about the, the, the Messiah, verse 1, who will bind up the brokenhearted. The, the 1, verse 7, who will come to people who are just covered with shame, and he, he will give them everlasting joy. So maybe, maybe that describes some of you today. You're brokenhearted. You feel shame. You, you read about the poor. You read about those in prison. You might be tempted to think, well, I'm not poor. I'm not in prison. I guess he doesn't really care about me. Would you please stop that kind of thinking? If you Listen, if you are brokenhearted, if you are hurting, Aren't you glad to know we have a Savior who really, really cares about you? So you see, um, the mission of the Messiah is a complete one. It's not narrow. It's not limited. It's not focused merely on saving our souls. It just kind of touches every area of life. Um, you had this in your quotes at the beginning. Michael D. Williams wrote, The goal of redemption is nothing less than the restoration of the entire cosmos. The scope of redemption is cosmic. Through Christ, God determined to reconcile all things to himself. So first observation about the Messiah's mission is that it is complete. Second observation, it's incomplete. Here's what I mean. You read the kind of things that are described here in Isaiah 61. Would you agree with me that these have not been done yet, many of these things? They're not yet done. But I thought, I thought the Messiah came. I thought Jesus was born. We just heard uh, the Jones family reading about him being born in Bethlehem. I thought he came. So wait, wait a minute. Why is a lot of this stuff not done? For, for example, um, Isaiah 61, the promise is that the Messiah will bring prosperity for all of God's people. End of verse 6 says, you shall eat the wealth of the nations. None of God's people will be hungry. None of God's people will, will be in poverty. Listen, the, uh, the nation of Uganda is 84% Christian. It is a much more Christian nation than the United States is. The average Ugandan lives on less than $2 a day. Eat the wealth of the nations. They, they, they don't have enough calories just, just to maintain their, their, their physical health. Listen, this is, this is the Messiah who brought good news for the poor? Uh, Isaiah 61 also promises that through the Messiah, God will put an end to injustice and oppression. Beginning of verse 8, I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery. I hate wrongdoing. Yet... Did you know that in over, there are over 40 nations in this world right now where Christians are being persecuted for their faith? There, there are men and women, leaders of the church, who are behind bars right now because they love Jesus. So what, what, what is, this is justice? This is an opening of, of, uh, of prisons for people? We read in the middle of verse 2 that the Messiah comes to all those to comfort those who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. In other words, the Messiah's job is to come and for all of those who are hurting, to take away that hurt, to heal those broken places, and to give them joy. One of the uh, 
famous hymn writers in Christian history was a man named William Cooper in the 1700s, great poet who came uh, to faith in Christ while he was in a mental institution where he had been sent after trying to commit suicide. He, went, he was in this institution, he, hear, he heard the gospel, he trusted in Jesus as his savior, he walked out of that mental institution, and for the rest of his life, he struggled every day with chronic depression. That's, that's, a gar, that's the oil of gladness? That's what the Messiah does. That's a garment of praise. So listen, let me ask a very hard question that arises if you read Isaiah 61 and you take this seriously. Listen, here's the question. Um, if Isaiah 61 is a description of the mission of the Messiah, and if Jesus of Nazareth really is the Messiah, why hasn't all of this stuff happened yet? Is it that the Bible isn't true? Is it maybe that God isn't faithful? Or maybe is it that Jesus isn't really the Messiah? No. I'll tell you the answer. The reason, the reason why there are parts of this mission that are still incomplete is because Jesus hasn't come back again yet. This is one of the things Jesus clarified about his work as a Messiah. This is what, one of the things that we learn in the New Testament. In the plan of God for the redemption of this world, the Messiah comes twice. There, there are, in other words, there are two advents. Advent means coming. There are, two, there are two times when the Messiah comes into this world. The very first time has already happened. He came in weakness. He was, he was born in poverty, born in a, in a stable, raised in obscurity, died a cruel death on the cross. He did this to atone for the sins of his people. But the story's not done yet, guys. He's going to come back again. Do you believe that? I believe that with all my heart. And the first time he came in weakness, next time he will come in power. The first time he came, most the world didn't notice. Next time he comes... Everyone will know that he comes. He, he will come to judge the world. He will come to vanquish his enemies. He will come. He will come to bring the fullness of the kingdom of God here. And listen, believer, he will come to wipe, wipe every tear from our eyes. He's, he will come again. Hebrews 9.28 says, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So his mission is a complete one. It's full-orbed. It has to do with every, every aspect of, of, of the world, every place that sin has broken things, he will fix. And yet it's complete, and yet it's still incomplete, right? Because... Uh, he hasn't returned yet. Remember how uh, retailers, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to, um, retailers would always remind us this time of year how, exactly how many shopping days are left until Christmas. Oh man, that stresses me out. Does that stress you out? You have 18 days, you have 17 days. Don't you dare wake up on the 25th and find out that you don't have a gift for your mother-in-law. That would be horrible. Just be ready, be ready, be ready. L listen, listen. Let me tell you, there is something so much more important than, than being ready for Christmas Day. Being, being ready for the day when this wonderful, wonderful Savior of ours comes back again to this world. 
That, you know, for, some, for many people, that would be a day of great, deep, deep regret and sorrow because they're not prepared. But for those who are ready, listen, if you were to list on a piece of paper the five happiest days of your life, Christian, imagine putting all those things in one day. When Jesus comes back, that happiness won't even begin to compare with the joy that you will have. So let me ask a question. Are you ready? Are you, are you a Christian? I mean, a real Christian? Have you, have, you really, have you really turned from your sin and trusted Jesus? Have you? That, that's what we mean when we say, are you ready? So the mission of the Messiah is a complete mission, and yet it's still an incomplete mission. So it's complete, it's incomplete. What, one more thing about his mission. His mission is a costly mission, very costly. You, you see this if you kind of read between the lines of this, this passage. Here's, here's a question I'll ask. Okay, the Messiah is going to come um, to deal with sin, to fix the world, to bring the kingdom of God, to heal every, everything damaged by sin. So how in the world does the Messiah do this? How, how, does, how does he remove all the effects of sin from the world and replace them with the blessing of God? Well, I think the answer to that question is found in a little word that appears three times in verse 3 of this passage. And the word is instead. All right, it says, he will give his people a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. So th th this little phrase, instead of, signifies, um, it's, it signifies exchange. Right? So in other words, the Messiah doesn't just come to people who are covered with ashes of, of shame and despair and say, you know, let's forget about the ashes. Let me just put a beautiful headdress on top of all those ashes. He doesn't do that. Just leave the ashes there and put beauty on top of them. He doesn't, he doesn't come to people who are mourning and say, you know, let's forget about your mourning. I'm just going to dump the oil of gladness on top of all that sadness. He doesn't do that. He, he doesn't just clothe, uh, cover up a faint spirit with a garment of praise. No, he takes away our sorrow. He takes, he takes away our heartbreak. He takes away the ugliness of our sin. And then he replaces these things with what? With his beauty. With, with his wholeness. With his joy. He, he takes our ugliness to himself. Takes his beautiness and gives it to us. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a trade. When my kids were small, they used to, um, they used to collect Pokemon cards, right? They want, Pastor Mark knows what I'm talking about. He's a big time collector. They, 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 they used to, they used to collect Pokemon cards and they wanted to get the full set of cards. So they would often trade with their friends, right? You know, I'll give you, I'll give you this Charmander for your Jigglypuff, all right? You, you, you know what I'm talking about. They would trade. Trade means I'm going to give you what I have, and you can have it, and you give me what you have, and I will remain with it. Guys, do you realize, how does the Messiah accomplish his mission? He trades with us. He takes all of the ugliness and brokenness and sorrow that's caused by your sin. He says, give it to me. And all of my beauty and all of my joy and all of my righteousness... I will give it to you. 
That's, you see why I say this is a costly mission? What did it cost the Messiah to accomplish this? It cost him everything. A few chapters before this, Isaiah 53, Isaiah talked about the Messiah doing that for us. Here's what he said. He said, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. You see, that's what it's saying. It's Jesus is just coming saying, give, listen, give me all the ugliness, all the brokenness, all the, all the, all the guilt, all the shame of your sin. I'm going to take it on me. And all of my beauty and all of my righteousness and all of my oil of joy and these beautiful wedding garments that are described here, just symbolic of the blessing of God. Jesus says, I'm going to give that to you. So that's what it cost him to do this mission for us. And guess what? He did it gladly. If you'll trust him, he did it for you. So I, I really think this ought to encourage us. Um, don't you? I mean, if you're, if you're a believer in Christ, and I'm assuming most of you are, do you realize how much he loves you? I mean, that he would willingly, lovingly, joyfully make that trade for you. I don't know if you ever feel like, um, I've, I've felt this way. I'm a pastor of a church and I felt this way. Like, I'll walk into a church building like, I'm the least, I'm the least worthy person to be here today. I shouldn't even be here. Listen. If you've trusted Christ, he took away all your shame. He took away all your brokenness. It's gone. And he gave you his righteousness. That should just encourage you. He really loves you. And if you're not a believer, this should really encourage you to come to him. I have a lot of friends or family members who are not Christian. and I get the sense they're a little bit afraid of Jesus. I don't know what he would do to me if I came to him. Nothing that isn't good. Nothing that wouldn't just transform your life. You ought, if, if you're not a believer, you ought to just be encouraged. This is an amazing Savior who is right now awaiting you with arms that are open. And just saying, would you, would, would you? I would do the same trade with you, he was saying. Come to me. Let me take away all your hurt. Let me take away your brokenness. Let me take away your shame. Let me take away your guilt. Give it to me. And he would say, I will give you. I'll give you the world. So this, uh, this Christmas season, we think about our Messiah, what he came to do. It's really big, isn't it? He's not done yet. Don't get discouraged because the world is still broken. He's not done yet. But he will be. He'll come back. And so for those of us who know him, oh man, isn't it kind of great to live in this, this kind of in-between time? We saw, we saw he already came, right? So we're happy about that. We know he's coming back. We're happier still. And we rejoice. Amen? But would you pray with me? Hallelujah, what a Savior. We are so thankful, God, that you sent Jesus for us. I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know him yet, maybe today would be the day that they, they take that first step and they say, I, I want everything the Messiah offers. I want that for me. And for those of us who already know him, may we be encouraged that he, 
Every broke, everything broken will be fixed. Everything hurt will be healed. He, he began a good work in us. He will carry it on to completion till the day of Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.